Hey guys, what's going on? Before we get into this week's episode, just a quick word from our sponsors. As always, we are brought to you by the fine folks at Laughable, the number one comedy podcast app on iOS. Not only can you subscribe to your favorite artists, your favorite shows, you can buy tickets to comedy shows in-app. It's coming real soon for Android, guys. Go to www.laughable.com to sign up for the Android waiting list. If you're on iOS, get it in the App Store now. Subscribe to me. Hear me on other podcasts. This week's episode is also brought to you by our friends at Ghost Tequila. 100% agave, 80-proof Blanco tequila infused with ghost peppers. It is spicy. It fuck, It's amazing. I love this shit. I just take a shot. It kicks my night off right. So pick up a bottle at ghosttequila.com or your local liquor store if you're one of the lucky states that is carrying ghost tequila. It's coming to the rest of the country real soon, guys. This week's guest is an old friend of mine, attorney Michael Federosi. For those of you not in the biz, Michael has represented some of the biggest names in adult entertainment over his illustrious career. This episode gets really inside baseball, guys. If you've ever been curious about the inner workings of the porn industry from one of its top lawyers, this is definitely the episode for you. Also, if you're attending AVN, Michael is doing a free seminar for performers and industry professionals. Go to adultbizlaw.com and sign up. There's limited seats available. So enjoy this one, guys. This was really, uh, it was a fun one. I really had a good time talking with Michael, catching up, and just, you know, shooting the shit about the booze. Rock and rolling. How you doing? Good, Michael. Good to see you. Good to see you as well. Haven't seen you in a while. Yeah, it's been a minute. We're in the lovely wildfire here in Henderson, Nevada. <laughs> well, this is where we have to drink. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Can't beat having a whole cafe to yourself and you know, service are like you won't want another whiskey. Well, you get pretty good service here, so I can't complain. Yeah, I'm happy about it. So what's new and exciting in your life? What's new you know, I get asked this question all the time, and unfortunately, the answer is not much. Not much. Just getting ready for AVN. We've got AVN starting in a little over a month. Ugh. So, Internex first, which is the uh, the internet side of the business, and that's uh, four days, and then four or five days of uh, AVN. So, I'll be at the Hard Rock Hotel for almost 10 days straight. That's my favorite time of year to black out. You know, I wish I could. I can't anymore. It's all work now. Oh, that, that, that's a shame. It'll be my 13th AVN. 13th, yeah. It's kind of crazy to me that I'm not far behind you. No, well, I mean, you've been around for a long time now. I know, I know. It's still... 10 years is a long time in this business. 13 is, is long, but, you know, every year I go and I know less and less people. That's the strange thing about this business is that such a high turnover rate that, you know, once you've been here for 10 years, you're like a veteran. And, 
you know, most of the faces that you see at AVN, you know, they're either brand new or they've been around for a year or two. And then, you know, once you make that five-year period, then once you hit that 10-year, it's so, like gold watch time in I porn. Know. I'm waiting for mine in the mail. <laughs> well, you may get a you may get a golden trophy this year. I may. You are you are nominated. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> so ridiculous. As a rabbi, you're nominated. That's got, cool though. I That's got the cool. beard for it. You got the beard for it. You could be a rabbi. Porno rabbi. Porno rabbi. There's the name of a movie. I'm sure Joanna will roll it out real soon. <laughs> As long as she doesn't expect me to perform in it. <laughs> well, no, not perform, perform, but you can still play porno rabbi. Yeah, Rabbi Mordecai. Rabbi is is that was your that was yeah. the name? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. There has been talk of me actually walking the red carpet in character. That would be very cool. That would be very, very, very cool. You should do that. I've been pricing out hats. Jesus Christ, Orthodox hats are fucking expensive. Yeah, it's not cheap to be a Jew. <laughs> eh. I, I almost converted to Judaism. Really? How'd that yes. come about? Oh. Well, here's a good story for your for your podcast. So the way I kind of got involved in this business was 20 years ago, I moved to Los Angeles from New Jersey to go to law school. And like the third day, before classes even start, I'm, I'm living off of Detroit Street, right off of La Brea, right around the corner from the law school. And I'm... I'm at the pool, which is in Los Angeles. They have rooftop pools. And so I'm up on the rooftop pool, and I'm, I'm probably reading a torts you know, book or a contracts book. And there's a girl swimming in the pool, and she's kind of attractive. And I'm kind of looking out over the book at her and, you know, didn't really think much of it. And then a couple of minutes later, she swims up, and she goes, oh, are, are you in law school? And I said, yeah, I'm about to start. Well, she was a second-year law student at uh, Loyola. So we started up a conversation and started dating. And probably about three weeks into us dating, she's like, I, I want to take you to the valley to meet my grandparents. Okay. And and she was Jewish. So this is a big deal. If yeah, it's oh, a yeah. big deal. Meet the family. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So but I like I have no what the valley is, nothing. I'm three weeks in Los I'm like the valley, where's that? And she's like, I'll drive, you don't have to worry about it. I'm like, okay. So we drive out to Northridge. Okay, and we go to her grandparents' house. And I sit down and I meet her grandparents and just two really wonderful people. Nice big house in Northridge. And we start talking. And, you know, I come to find out that her grandfather was a guy by the name of Milton Luros, L-U-R-O-S. And Milton Luros is the guy who founded the industry, the porn industry, in Los Angeles. Really? Yes. Yeah, nobody in the industry knows his name. This is really the man that deserves a documentary. And I got over the period, we dated for almost a year. And over that period of time, I got to go up to their house. It was like almost like an every Sunday or Saturday deal. And I got to sit around and talk to him about the industry. And, you know, he had two or three Supreme Court cases in his name. He was one of the guys, or he was the person that brought the Karma Sutra into the United States. He was arrested at LaGuardia Airport as he got off the plane, and that went up to the United States Supreme Court, and it, the case is U.S. versus 39 pictures. And, you know, he, he kind of basically told me how the industry came to be. And he originally had started the industry, where he originally started as a... Uh, um, 
illustrator for novels like cheap dime store, you know, these uh, detective like a, novels. Like a cheap pulp novel. Pulp novels, exactly. And he was the co- he, he was a cover art illustrator. And then he hooked up with the Italian mob. Because in, in New York, when you're Jewish or Italian, it, it's all the same. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, we make big deals about marrying and burying. Yeah. And, and family. And it's all, you know, yeah. between Jews and Italians in New York, it's, you know, it's the same thing, just different, different vowels at the end of the name. Or sometimes it's the same vowel. <laughs> and so he really took a liking to me, and I took a liking to him, and he would kind of tell me. And so him and his Italian partners, they bought a nudist colony down in San Diego. I don't know the name of it. And this was before you could ship pornography in the mail. So they had to, they, they developed a lifestyle, a, a nudist lifestyle magazine, so it would fit in with postal regulations, and that's what they would originally sell. And, and there's pictures of, you know, people playing volleyball and riding bikes naked and all of that stuff. And eventually that moved on to a much larger publishing enterprise that he had. And the name of his company was Parliament, um, I think it was Parliament Press, and he never got into the movies, though. He never actually made films, but he was a publisher. He owned stores in California, Las Vegas, and Phoenix called Le Sex Shops. They, I don't think they were there anymore. And then eventually, um, in 1971, he was called the richest man in pornography by Time Magazine. Wow. Yes. So that was kind of my... and. At that point, I was just in law school, and I, I really hadn't thought about going, you know, being in the pornography industry wasn't like something. I, I was never a fan of porn. I was never one of those guys that, you know, watched that much porn. I never knew who anybody's names were, you know. And after talking to him about the legal stuff, really got me kind of interested about, you know, the Supreme Court cases and the bus and the arrests. So that was kind of my entry in. And at one point... We thought about getting married, so I was going to, like, I started learning the uh, the prayers in Hebrew. You were going to go get bar mitzvah and everything? Yeah, I was going to do all of that. And, but, unfortunately for her, I wasn't Jewish enough. I, even though I would have converted, it still wouldn't have been Jewish enough. For her grandparents, it was fine, because they were like, oh, you're Italian, you're going to become a Jew, we're good with that. Right. But she was more conservative. They were more reformed. Well, that's crazy. Then why did she date you in the first place? I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, it was, it was a very interesting time in my life and a very... I'm glad I got a chance to meet her and I'm glad that I got to meet Milton Luros. Because it really is. I mean, no one in this industry knows who he is. Nobody pays any kind of respect or homage to him. And he's the guy. He's the guy that started it on the West Coast. You know, people like Larry Flint followed him, you know. And he was eventually bought out by, uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blank on his name. <laughs> uh, I'll come back to it. But he was eventually bought out. And the person who bought him out ended up becoming like the pornography king of all of America for a period of time. Wow. Mm-hmm. This is pre-tube sites, pre-movies, pre... This is when porn was magazines. You had to jerk off to stills. Yeah, people did. People did a lot. Oh, hell no. I, mean, I definitely did back in the day. <laughs> definitely did. Like, I wasn't introduced to you know, VHS porn until probably the mid-90s. Yeah, I think the first time I ever saw like a real porn movie was college. 
I remember my brother having Playboy magazines. My, now, no, 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 my grandfather, that's what it was. My grandfather, but it wasn't movies, it was still magazines. He had uh, a little stash that I eventually found when I guess I turned like 13 or 14. So, and those were more hardcore. But I remember my brother, who was eight years older than me, having Playboy. But that, I don't remember any tapes. I remember my parents had cable, but this is, you're probably too young to remember this. But this is, this wasn't even cable. It was, you put an antenna on top of the, uh, top of your house and it gave you like certain extra channels that were scrambled that you could get on a regular TV, but you had this little converter box through the antenna and you'd, press a button and it had like 12 channels that you could choose from and there was always like dirty movies on late at night i remember i used to like come out of the bathroom or go from my bedroom to the bathroom and i would hear my parents watching whatever was on at the time and in the living room but that that was my earliest remembrance of porn for me i was definitely exposed to playboys at a young age my mother's boyfriend had a collection of fox Oh, the magazine yeah. Fox? Yep. Yeah. His bathroom was stacked with them. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so. And your mother was cool with him just hanging out there and you coming over and looking at him? Yeah, well, this is the point in my life where my mom's a dom. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was very loose. Very open. Yeah. Yeah. And then the first time I was exposed to, like, a magazine with the actual penetration, there was a secondhand store about a half a mile from my apartment that if you dug through their magazine racks... There'd be some explicit stuff in there. Really? And the guy didn't care if we bought it. Yeah, I think the first movie I saw was with John Stagliano, and he did a series back then, um, like Busty Adventures or something like that. It was him and Rocco Sofredi, and they would go all over the world, whether it was Canada or the UK, and it was always like large, big, busty girls. And I remember that's the first thing that I ever saw on VHS. It was pretty cool to meet him later on when I got into the industry. That's awesome. I don't know why no one does a, like a travel porn show. Expense. Fair enough. There's, there's no money in yeah, it. Yeah, there's no money in it. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> he did it when, yeah, there were nice budgets and people were making money hand over fist. Yeah. Oof. Oh, I remember the days. This is before I got into the industry, but I remember hearing the stories where, yeah, people would have, I mean, it was $150 for a VHS tape and if you were, and now I'm going to date myself, but if you were a little VHS video rental store on the corner, yeah, you bought like hundreds of porn tapes because you would stack them two and three deep. So if you had, you know, a selection of two or 300 movies, you'd have to have 600 tapes and each one you had to spend 150 bucks to get. And that's when people were making money hand over fist in the business. Oh, yeah. And consumers like us would have to walk through the, the cowboy doors or the beads. Yeah, the beads. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, now nah, there's no money in porn. <laughs> no, that, no, no, no. I, I, that, that's absolutely not true. Being an attorney in the industry, the one really cool kind of deal with it is, is that I get to see all aspects of the industry. You know, between video production to cams to, you know, individual clip stores. I, it, the money is still there. It's just changed hands. And it's no different than it, what it was because there was a day when the people who had movie theaters where they showed porn were making all of the money. And then VHS put those companies out of business. So there will always be 
an extremely large amount of money that people spend on adult entertainment, but who gets that money will just change. That's all. I, I agree. I, I feel camming and custom clips are the way of the future. Oh, yeah. I love my friends that run studios and do you know, major productions, but I think they, you know, they are slowly becoming extinct for a reason. Well, I, I don't know if they'll become extinct, but in the 13 years that I've been here, I, I remember the day when I was talking to one of my female clients who was a performer, and she was trying to set up a meeting at my office, and literally she said to me, I'm booked for three straight months. Every day, she was booked to do a scene for three months out, and she had to be making, you know, even back then when the rates, I, her rate was probably $1,000 a scene, you know, she was probably making close to two, three, four hundred thousand dollars $400,000 a year just on scenes. Oh, yeah, I know a handful of girls that were making that much, even in recent memory. Recent memory? Well, really? A couple, five. Just from booking scenes? Just or from booking scenes. Wow. Well, that number has dropped off a lot. Yeah, well, I'm... <laughs> I might be dating myself a little bit, maybe four or five years ago. Okay, that I could see. Yeah, I don't know any... Well, I mean, I guess maybe some of the more popular top 10 girls with huge social media followings maybe working 20 times a month. But I don't know anybody who's working 30 times a month anymore. And not for just one month, but for three months straight. Yeah, it just doesn't happen. No. No, but still, there's... There's still really good money if you're a performer, if you know how to do the clips for sale, you know how to do the camming, you know how to do the used panties, you know how to do all of the little side hustles to make up for whatever money you won't be making because you're not going to be getting booked seven days a week. Maybe if you're good, you're getting booked three or four days a week, and the other couple of days a week, you're camming and filling up that time with other ways to make money. And, and the women in this industry have become much more entrepreneurial, and that's sort of by force, you know. And good on them. Good on them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, th- this has always been an industry where, you know, people look at, look at adult and they go, oh, you know, the poor, the poor women. And, and, yeah, there is a certain amount of that, but it's also a matter of they also make the most money. <laughs> they get paid usually better per scene than any man. They have the biggest fan base. You know, you if if you're if if you're a top female performer, you're doing better than any man and any male performer usually, um, unless you're a male performer who's who's expanded into owning his own company or something like that. Right, but for straight scene work. Oh, straight, yeah. Well, got well, guys will work more and they'll work longer. They'll get paid less and they won't have any of the side hustles that a lot of the female performers can have. Like, you don't really see too many male performers camming. You don't see them, you know, doing... You see them doing clips for sale stories now. Well, some of them will cam with partners. Yeah, they'll cam with partners. But it, it, it's very hard for a guy to get a huge following to be able to just cam by himself. Oh, definitely. And make the money. Definitely. Yeah. Unless you're planning to play to a gay audience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, e- e- even if they do, it's still tough because you still you're competing against the male gay stars. It's not like you know, it's not like if I'm a, a, a straight male watching porn, I'm going to go cam with a straight male porn star. Right. And if you're a fan, and and if you're gay and you're a fan of a gay porn star, 
you may cam with a straight male porn star, but more than likely you're going to cam with one of the guys that you watch in, in, in gay movies. You're not going to come over and, and cam with a, with a guy that you never see in a cam in, in a movie. No, that's very true. That's very true. Yeah, so they have, they have competition there. Way to crush my dreams, Michael. Nah. That was my plan B. <laughs> Just you know, take it off for the guys. Wow. Yeah, unfortunately, we can't do that. I mean, you can, but you're not going to be as popular as some, uh, like a Sean Cody, who's a hugely popular gay male star. Yeah, he's going to fill a room with guys. You're not. Neither am I. I'm going to cry myself to sleep tonight over that. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, but like... Just shitting on my dreams. But, you know, I... Maybe not so anymore, but years ago, camming was like having a printing press in your bedroom. Yeah. It's like literally... When my wife would cam, it would be like close the door, spend an hour or two in there, and walk out with 600 bucks. And I'm just like, wow. You just, like, that's amazing to me. We're at a point that, oh, what, Avian's brought to you by My Free Cams, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, so is Exotica, and so is XBiz, and My Free Cams, and Chatterbait, and Live Jasmine, and I'm Live, and all of those companies crush what any porn company has ever made. I mean, it's just the billions of dollars that are in camming now. But it, that's also gotten a lot more competitive, and there's a ton of girls, and, a ton, and, and tons of guys, and also tons of transsexuals out there that are camming from their homes. And well, they're, yeah, they're there's, making, there's no barrier of access. Yeah, there's no barrier. And it's funny because I used to say porn is a new Amway. You know, if anybody knows what Amway is, you know, Amway was like you could sell products out of your garage or the trunk of your car and make some extra money on the side to help pay for your mortgage. Now it's camming. Camming's a new Amway. And people are doing clips at home. But what's interesting, though, is that you, I'm starting to see all of these cam girls or cam stars that are now calling themselves porn stars because they may do a scene with their husband or their boyfriend or their significant other at the time. And so that's kind of blurring lines, too. Well, it is, and especially because there's AVN Awards for cam performers now. Yeah. Yeah, that, and, and there should be, and there should be cam award shows. Now, I, I'm talking about, I'm talking about the girl, and and I don't mean to offend anybody. But here's the thing: if you win an AVN, are you not a porn star? I don't know. If you win, are you a porn star? No, not no? this guy. Yeah, well, no, you are. Just by your own definition, if you win. But for, I mean, I, I'm saying, like, if you're doing a boy-girl scene, even if it's not being produced by a major studio. No, it's even the size of the studio. I. I think if you are doing it with your significant other, okay, and you're only going to work with one person, and you're only going to work from your house, and you're only going to work on cam, yeah, that's not a porn star. Okay. That's not. To me, maybe I'm more traditionalist, maybe I'm more old school, come to LA, get an agent, do scenes, you know, do work for different companies. That to me is the definition of, that's not even definition of porn star, that to me is the definition of porn performer. You know, to be a star, I think you have to have name recognition and you have to have face recognition. Definitely. Yeah. Like, are you going to go out to the store and get noticed by the guy at the deli counter? Who's too afraid to approach you? Oh, they're not afraid to approach anymore. Eh, they still are to it. No. No, trust me. I've been with my porn star wife for 11 years and you would be... I, I mean, wherever you are, they, you know, if somebody recognizes her 
and they're not embarrassed by it anymore. I mean, when we first met 11 years ago, people would be like, you know, they kind of look around and they'd be like, hey, uh, you're that girl from, uh, yeah, you, you, yeah, I really like your movies. Now it's from across the room like, oh my God, it's so-and-so. I love Booty Clap 12. I can't. <laughs> Dude, I'm serious. That's crazy. I, I'm, it really is. It really it, it. And I, I used the guy at the meat counter at the grocery store because that actually happened to her. When we moved up here, she went to the store, and the guy at the meat counter recognized her. And literally, it like she couldn't go to the store anymore because every time she would be in the store, he would follow her around and track her down to say hello. That's fucked up. It is, but that's you know. My wife has a very great expression about this. When guys are jerking off and they're in that moment, they're not in their right minds. They're, they're jerking off. They're trying and, to get the poison out. Yeah. And so when they see that girl from that movie or that guy from that movie, they go right back to that place. They go back to that place where they were not in their right minds jerking off and everything else kind of like fades away. <laughs> like even their jobs fade away. Wow. That, that is a much better way to articulate than I've ever been able to. And I've tried to articulate a similar sentiment well, multiple that's, times. And that's my wife, not me. <laughs> well, kudos to her for that. I've seen it, but she's the one who can best explain it. No, I've definitely seen it too. You see it on Twitter all the time. Like dudes who think that they're intimate with you know, performers because they've had an intimate moment with their films. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and yeah, that does, that does happen on Twitter. They, they think that they know you because, yeah, I mean, you're... You know, just like television or movies, you're in their living room, you're in their bedroom, and they see you there, and they have a they have a connection. Yeah, and they've shot loads to you. Yep. Slight tangent, but uh, when Lisa Ann announced that like she had the most viewed uh, like viewed movies ever on one of the tube sites, I did the math of how many gallons of semen it was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't want to know how you came up to that. To- Conclusion. <laughs> well, it's uh, on average a tablespoon of semen per ejaculate, and sure, yeah, it was something like a couple metric tons of. Yeah, semen. I don't want. Uh, yeah, let's let's not go off on a tangent. <laughs> let's get back to not semen metric tons. Enough to fill the room. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what I just like. How many Olympic swimming pools is that? <laughs> I don't want to go there. No, it's okay. <laughs> I just, it just, that's where my mind went. So, so, have you started signing autographs yet? No. Not yet? No. Oh. No one's going to ask for my autograph. How do you know? I, listen, I, as an attorney, I've signed, not a lot, but I've, ha- I've been asked for my autograph uh, on a few occasions, which kind of freaked me out and kind of like, what? You, who, who, I, me? They're like, yeah, you. I'm like, I'm just a lawyer. Like, can you sign it? I'm like, okay. Oh, I, for me, I'm still getting used to like, you know, listener interactions or people that are interested in, you know, what I have to do, like people tweeting at me about like things that happen on the show or things that happen on my social media. Because my whole entertainment career up until I started doing the show was behind the scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. So like to be in the front is still a strange experience for me. Well, walk that red carpet is Mordecai. <laughs> You're going to get interviewed by press from all over the world. I know. And people are going to be like, why is there a rabbi here? We should interview him. Watch, do it. You will get inter- You will be in newspapers and 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 websites all over the world in different languages. 
You know, upon hearing that, Joanna's going to make me do it, right? Oh, really? Oh, uh, she should. Dude, yeah. that's a great idea. You have no idea how great of an idea that is. Well, and the talk is having uh, Charlotte Sartre play my Orthodox wife. Oh. <laughs> do, no, Jews don't excommunicate, do they? Because yeah, that would happen to an, a Catholic if we ever did that. <laughs> they do, they do. No one's kicking you out of the tribe for that? <laughs> I'm an entertainment Jew. It's okay. Oh, that, yeah, you're okay then. <laughs> I haven't been to a synagogue in forever. Yeah, you know what? That's one thing about about the Jewish religion. They're they're much more forgiving than the Catholic religion. So much you more. Con- should have converted. Yeah, you know, I I'm not a religious guy though. I mean, it's very odd. I I I've been back to Italy numerous times. I've been back to the town where my family's from. They have a huge connection to the Catholic Church. Um, going back many, many years. And I listen, I, I appreciate religion for what it is. I think it, it, it helps a lot of people. I think it, to a lot of people it gives them a lot of guidance. And I would never, ever question somebody's you know, devotion to whatever religion. I just can't get into the whole, I believe in a higher being with a white beard who's going to judge me someday. I just can't get into that. I can't either. And I have... Zero problem with what people do with their own religions. They don't, as long as they don't try to enforce their beliefs on me. Sure, sure. At the point where you're trying to enforce any belief on me, you're in the wrong. I don't care what it is. If we want to have a civil discourse about it and you can convince me, that's one thing. But if you're just telling me this is how it is because this is what I believe, I feel that's wrong. Yeah. No, I'm there. I, and you know what's, what's surprising about adult, what I didn't realize there's a lot of very conservative religious people in adult. Really? Yes. I knew there were some conservative folks. There is more than a, there is a lot of very conservative people, very judgmental people in adult. And I'm not, you know, I, I'm nobody comes to to mind except for maybe you know Jenna, but she's a recent convert to right. the to Judaism and to the religious right or the. All I don't want to say alt right, but the the right wing type of yeah, situation. Yeah, the alt right doesn't want Jews. Yeah, <laughs> um, but she's she is definitely more conservative than liberal. But no, just being in this industry, I'm 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 very shocked about how conservative people are, and and that's a thing that I don't think most people outside of porn know. And, and while it's not shocking, what most people outside of porn don't realize, how much of a family type of business this is. Oh, definitely. Like that's what they don't. They that's what I didn't realize. But when you get into this business, you, you realize that we now have multi generational families here, like kids of kids that are working in the industry, either behind or in front of the camera. So it's really kind of it's become kind of a family business in a lot of ways. Oh no, it definitely is. And even with the people that aren't multi generation, it's a very small tight knit community. So would you let your daughter go into porn? Oh, <laughs> I'm just traumatized by the idea of having a daughter. Oh, well, would, if you had a daughter, would you let her go into porn? I would do what I would do for any female friend of mine who says, I want to get into porn. I would. That's say. a friend. This is your daughter. It's easy to, it's easy to say friend. It's easy. Well, I know I was a very rebellious child. And okay. I didn't do shit my parents told me to do. Okay. So I'm going to at least sit her down and tell her all... The downfalls, pitfalls, and you know, <laughs> negative aspect that comes with being in this business. 
And if she still wants to go through with it, I mean, I don't think I could stop her at that point. She does have my genetics. But that but that doesn't answer my question. That kind of leads me to believe that you would not want her to go because you said I could not stop her. It's a difficult question because there's, I don't inherently think there's anything wrong with the industry, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I also definitely recognize that it can negatively affect you further down the road. And for my own daughter, I don't care what she does with her body as long as she's safe. Okay. But I also want her to be aware of the pitfalls of what it can cause you later in life. Well, if she says to you, Dad, I want to do this for the rest of my life, you've won an AVN, I want to win an AVN, I want to be in the AVN Hall of Fame. Dad's an award-winning non-sexual porn actor, I want to be an award-winning sexual porn actor. And she was going to do it for life. More power to her. You're all for it? For it? As long as she starts her own production. Okay. You see, I, I'm not, I wouldn't be against it. I, I don't have children, um, but if I, I, I would not be against it at all. I, I don't have any I pay for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't have any. Not pay for, not pay for. But yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, listen, I married a porn star, so I, you know, I'm comfortable with the, would you, would you date seriously or marry a porn star? Yeah. No, not a problem with that. Not a problem. Okay. I mean, I've dated people in the industry. Hell, I remember drunkenly calling you trying to get you to do a prenup when I almost married one. Oh, that's right. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, to me, the industry has a lot of good in it. And yeah, listen, I've worked in a lot of different industries and every diff- every industry has its bad side. Definitely. And so, but I, I would be like you. I would sit, you know, my son or daughter, that didn't matter, or transsexual or... I don't know what we're calling my, my offspring. Yeah, yeah. Whatever, whatever I helped create. Yeah, I would sit them down and talk to them about starting a production company and owning their own images and owning their own content and who they should work for. I it would be sort of a roadmap to kind of avoid the pitfalls Definitely. that so many new performers easily fall into Definitely. because they don't have any guidance. I think that's the the saddest thing about this industry is that you know. There is no mentoring. Like, there's no porn mentoring. No, there's not no, at all. There's no guidance. There's no mentoring. There's no school that you could go to. There's no... There's just... You get in, and you, it's sink or swim. Right. And that's the worst part of it, I think. And many, you know, beautiful, brilliant performers have just, you know, hooked up with the wrong people and sunk. Oh, so many. And it's a shame because... You know, at least with Twitter now, there's a way to reach out. But I, I'm not even seeing that many people reach out. Like, if I were to get into the industry, and, and if I was a guy, I mean, guys do reach out because I get, I get oh. those emails. <laughs> please get me into porn, please. <laughs> I tell every one of those guys who tweet, tweeted me about it, uh, find a local girl you want to perform with, perform with her. Yeah, that's yeah, fair. Like, if you can do that consistently... You know, start your own clip store. Yeah. If you're successful there, someone will find you. Yeah, well, maybe. maybe. I mean, it depends I, on I, your level of success. I, I basically tell them the same thing. I, I tell them to, to more start out on in swinger side stuff. Like, go to swinger clubs. There, because doing the clip store stuff, you're doing it in a bedroom, and you're not around anybody, and you got a camera on the floor and, or on a tripod. And, but, it, but if you have to, if you, you have to be able to fuck in front of people. And under pressure situations, no taking breaks. So I think coming from the swinger side, when you're 
in that room, people are watching you, you're doing what you're doing with whoever you're doing it with, and you can perform with an audience with a bunch of people either on top of you, around you, touching you, I think you've got a good shot. If you can do that, then you, and it's not guaranteed. And do it consistently. <laughs> yeah, do it consistently. Yeah, you can't go once and be like, hey, I'm a porn star. You got to be able to, that to me, like how Major League Baseball has AAA, I look at that as like the AAA of porn performing. Like, if you enjoy being that person at the swinger party and you're in the middle and everybody's watching you and you're an exhibitionist, yeah, then you've got a good shot at being able to perform here. And definitely perform with someone you're not attracted to. Oh, well, yeah, that's <laughs> that's probably a given at a swinger party, but maybe, maybe not. But I yeah. wasn't going to you know, throw shade on our swinger audience if there is you know, swingers <laughs> listening to have, us. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's some very attractive swingers, but there's also very some not so attractive swingers. Um, but yeah, you, yeah, that's what people forget too is that you know you're you're going to be having sex with somebody who you literally met five minutes before, shook hands with while they were in the makeup chair, and you just walked out of the room and you're talking to the director, and then she's going to come in and it's a go, <laughs> and she definitely might not be into you. And she may be pissed off. She may be mad at her boyfriend. Her dog may have some type of issue at the vet. She has to go pick up her mother from the air. Like there's, I mean, like it's, it's worse than married sex. (laughs) (laughs) If anyone's listening, who's married, porn sex is worse than married sex. Married sex is like, ah, the kid's asleep down the hall or the dog's trying to get into the room or the dog is in the room and, oh, I got 15 minutes. And then, yeah, it's, it's, it's pressure sex. Especially, you know, what is it? There's a meme rolling around with uh, Claudio reach, uh, leaning over some. Oh, with the camera? Yeah, with yeah. the camera. Yeah. It's married sex with your best friend in the room <laughs> holding or, a camera in a hot light. Yeah. Sweating on you. Sweating on you. Sweating on you <laughs> as you bang someone else. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I do. The, I have the utmost respect for performers, male and female. And it's just like, I don't know how they do it. I really don't. Oh, no, that's uh, people have asked me over the years, why don't you want to be male talent? Because I'm not sure I could do the job. You really? Yeah, I'm, I have no desire to, and I don't think I could do the job. I, no. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I get to have sex with a porn star. And there have been times during our sex life where I've been treated like male talent, like now. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what? Huh? No foreplay? I don't, I don't know if I could do it either. That, but, you know, a lot of the guys use Cialis or Viagra. And some of the older guys who can't really work out well, they're using the injections. But that's tough. Yeah, it's a, it's a rough job. It, I, any guy that comes to me and says, I could do it, I go, okay, sure, maybe. But how are you going to do it when it's a DP? How are you going to do it when it's a double vag? Yeah. Can you do that? Can you do that? I can't do that. Can you do that? I couldn't. Nope. nope. I'm not crossing swords. I'm not rubbing swords. I can't. God bless the guys that can. But I couldn't. I would be like, I'm done. I'm out. Tap. <laughs> I'm tapping out now. <laughs> See you. Don't, you don't have to pay me. It's, I'm good. I'm, I'm going home. Yeah. More power to them. Uh, or hell, even the guys who do bukkakis. Like, I couldn't understand getting into that. Have you ever been on a bukkake set? I have not. Uh, uh, I, I represent, and once in a while represent, not fully represent, but Jim Lane, who is like the bukkake king. And I've been on one of the... And it, 
it is the worst smelling environment you <laughs> ever like <laughs> like think men's room at a gym with no air condition because there's no air conditioning on because when you shoot you can't have the air conditioning right, running. Make noise. Yeah, make noise. So there's no air conditioning. You got, you know, 10, 12, 20 guys all sweating, all in a small enclosed room, all with the man ass smell and the semen smell. You're just like, oh, I give a I give Jim a lot of credit for being able to shoot those. I'm just like, oh, I couldn't do this day after day. For the audience at home, I just made a very, very sour. Oh, it was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Think about the 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 Olympic swimming pool filled with loads. <laughs> That's the type of face that you get. All over some poor girl's face. Yeah, I, I don't think the girls mind it as much. I really don't. because They don't like have the, to do any work. Well, and they're the center of attention, and they're getting paid most, and all of the guys. That's the other thing. Most of the mopes, and we, you know, we call them mopes. Yeah. I, I don't know if people are realizing what we call like bukkake talent. They're not porn stars. They're not performers. They're mopes. <laughs> And they're the guys that, like, you know, for a free, a free STD test and maybe fifty bucks, will come out and masturbate and then jerk off into a girl's face. And that—that's a lot of a lot of guys start that way. They start as mopes, and then if they're any good and they've got the right size or the right body, they become a performer, and then maybe they become a porn star. If they're lucky. If they're lucky, it's hard. It's hard for guys to become stars. It really is. So, I feel like earlier in your tale, we missed a crucial point. You got introduced to the industry while you were still in law school, but how did you actually transition to representing? Oh, um, my specialty, when I, before I got into being a porn lawyer, I did a lot of employment and workers' compensation law. And I was asked by the Free Speech Coalition, this is back in 2004, I think, um, there was an outbreak, an HIV outbreak in the industry. And I was, because I had represented Warner Brothers and Fox and the Dodgers and Universal Studios, I was asked to come over and kind of give a speech to FSC members about, you know, what were the rights and responsibilities of studios when it came to onset work injuries and more specifically onset HIV transmissions. So I've actually had this question for a while. If you... Get an onset transmission of anything. Is that a workers' comp claim? Absolutely. That's yeah. what I thought. But yeah. absolutely, that's what, and that's been the fallacy of the industry for many, many years. Is that they classify people as independent contractors? Maybe for an IRS tax reason, if you hire somebody once and you pay them less than six hundred dollars, you don't have to put them on payroll. You can call them an independent contractor for tax reasons. But in California, where I'm licensed, it's without question that for health and safety reasons, they are employees. Even if they're only on in uh, if they're only on set for a couple of hours, for those few hours, they are your employee. Well, is this why mainstream productions start different LLCs for every movie? Well, yeah, but they also what, what I used to represent that too. I there's two companies in the mainstream. One's called Entertainment Partners, and the other one's called Cast and Crew. And when Warner Brothers or Universal or Fox does a movie, they will the studio themselves they they will put under contract what's called the above line talent, and that line is who are the stars? You know, who are the major stars? The above line stars are the stars. They're the 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 
the, Tom Cruise is the yeah exactly, and even the directors, and then you have the below line people, which are your gaffers, your electricians, your set builders, your best boys, your your, your extras, grip. your key grips, your everybody who isn't really an important thing to the movie and those people are not hired by the studios they're hired through cast and crew or entertainment partners and warner brothers will say will tell cast and crew or entertainment partners i need this is the kind of staff i need for the movie we're shooting the movie in the desert in albuquerque they need to be there in two weeks here's a check and they pay they pay the company and that company then puts the money into the employees' hands. They pay the, the workers' comp. They pay the, uh, the payroll taxes. They, they are the employer, and they're leasing out their employees to a major studio. And that happened because many years ago, back in the 80s, mainstream Hollywood did it the exact same way that we do it. Oh, everybody's an independent contractor. And then the California Franchise Tax Board came around and started knocking on doors, and they're like, hey, you owe us employment taxes on all of these people that you misclassified as independent contractors. You're not paying employment taxes, so we're going to assess fines. And they almost drove the movie business out of California, and it, it was eventually settled, and people paid fines and stuff like that, but now the way they do it is through entertainment partners and cast and crew. So in other states, you know, because I get now that porn is not just a California type of business, you know, I I get this question all the time. Yeah. I mean, in almost every state, the definition of an employee is you tell somebody when to show up, you tell them what to wear, you tell them what to do, you tell them when they can go home. That's an employee. Yep. An independent contractor is uh, I need my house painted white. Come and paint it white. Here's a check. And the person shows up and they bring the equipment and they decide what part of the house they're going to start with first and when they're going to finish it. So very, very few people are independent contractors. Oh, I know. There's uh, ongoing litigation with Uber and Lyft about... Yep, they're going to be employees. They've already... I think with Uber, they've already been determined to be employees in California. Yeah, all of that. All, they're all employees. When, when you direct and manage the person that is working with you, they're your employee. That's the whole point. You're, you're, you have control over them, you know? Well, I'm, I'm curious to see how that will end up working with you know, Uber being employees in places like Los Angeles with the LA minimum wage law, which requires employers to give you know, paid sick leave. Oh, they're, they're, you have no idea when you have wage and overtime and breaks and all of that stuff, what that amounts to as far as, as, as penalties and fines. It's ridiculous. Yeah, no, but nobody in porn wants to know about that. <laughs> oh, I know. I've I've talked to people before and been like, is your agent licensed and bonded? Because you know if the set is underinsured, you fall under your agent's worker's comp. And they're like, what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And and that's part of the problem. But but the industry is maturing. You know, when I started here 13 years ago, that, that was, I got that a lot. The what, what, what? And now more people go, oh, yeah, you know, we we do have workers' comp. That's been something that I've seen more and more studios do. More and more studios are doing payroll taxes and they're doing, you know, they're acting like real legitimate companies. So that's good. Definitely. Uh, Except for that condom thing. But that's, you know, <laughs> nobody wants to use condoms. <laughs> no, but it's proven to be fairly unenforceable, too. So, um. Well, it's only unenforceable because 
Cal OSHA doesn't have enough people. If exactly. Cal OSHA had a thousand people, everything's on tape. <laughs> Hell, I'm surprised they don't just hire a handful of people. They're like, your job is to watch porn all day, every day. Well, that's, you know, now we get into another area of employment law. <laughs> Can't force your employees to watch porn. Why not? Because you can't. Why not? Because they that, that would be upsetting to them. To some people, it would be. Well, that's why you specifically hire them to watch porn. Yeah, but still, it's still it, tricky. If it's, it's your it's, job description. It's. I mean, look, look, look at everything that's happening with Hollywood now, and all the women coming out, and men coming out against the Kevin Spacey, and and part of that is an uncomfortable, harassing workplace. You know, even if they're not touching the other person, even if they're not sexually molesting or groping or assaulting, there's still people coming out like, he said stuff or she said stuff that made me feel uncomfortable 10 years later. Well, and that's definitely bad, but they weren't hired to watch someone jerk off. No. If you were specifically hired by Cal OSHA, this is your job description, to watch pornography. I know, but, there, but see, th- this, is, this, is the, this is the interesting thing, and this is what I love about my job. This is the one thing I love, love, love about being a lawyer in porn. Is that the industry takes all of those laws and turns everything upside down on its ear, okay? For example, and I always use this as an example, girl gets pregnant on set. Is it, a wor- is it a work-related injury? I think so. Well, it wouldn't be in any other job. There is no way, if you're working as a secretary, if you have your bosses, if you get impregnated by your boss, is it a work-related injury? What if you're working in a lab and accidentally get fertilized? <laughs> the chances of that are just, I, you know. There's still a chance. But, yeah, but let's not go there. Why? Well, because, We're talking hypotheticals. Well, here. because porn is the hypothetical that's already strange enough but possible. Yeah, that, I mean, this happens all the time. Set babies happen. Yeah. And yeah. I, I'm waiting for some girl to come to me and say, I want to file a workers' compensation claim for my child, or I want to file a lawsuit under a wrongful life claim. Because quite honestly, you know, if the law says you should be wearing a condom on set, and the, the, the producer doesn't enforce the condom rule, and then that girl becomes pregnant, because of the no condom rule, then I may want to call that a wrongful life because they didn't use the the condom. Wouldn't the performer have to prove that they voiced that they're concerned about the lack of condom at that point? No. No, because condoms are mandatory. It's, it's, it's not a performer's choice. Under the law, it's not a situation where a performer has to ask for a condom. The Cal OSHA regs mandate the condom. Right. But then the performer could choose not to perform. Well, they don't usually hold that again. It's listen. If if you showed up at a at a construction site and your boss didn't have a hard hat, okay, and but he said go over there and 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 go get the blueprints from the other uh, the other trailer and bring them back here, and you know you're like okay, fine, I'm gonna walk over there and get the and you and on your way back you get hit in the head with an I beam, you know. Your employer can't go, well, you should have walked off the, you know, you shouldn't have went to go get the blueprint. That, that's not going to happen. They're always going to blame the employer. My next of kin, because it's goddamn I-beam. But what? My next of kin will be worrying about that. Yeah, but, but, but the point is, is that, no, you can't blame the employee for something that the employer should have done. Okay. So, but yeah, that's, I mean, that takes, it's the same thing with the claims of sexual harassment on set. Like, you've been on set. How many times does, do people touch each other off camera? Oh, yeah. 
or the fact that male talent's sitting there fluffing themselves in between takes, mm-hmm. which, you know, according to mainstream Hollywood, is quite atrocious. Yeah, exactly. Like a guy stroking himself on a porn set, common everyday occurrence. Yep. Guy or girl completely dropping trout to change costumes. Yeah, exactly. In front of everybody. It's in like, front of everybody. Walk it. People don't. They walk around naked. Yeah. You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do that in an office environment. So maybe a cool office. Maybe a cool office. But yeah, that's how I say it. it. You know, the things that happen on a porn set would never fly in an office. So it changes everything. Well, there should be, you know, special laws written just for the biz. I wish they, but they don't. That's the problem. Is that. They always try to take our industry and it's the, it's, it's the square peg and fit it into a round hole, no pun intended. But that's exactly what they're trying to do. And it doesn't work. It just doesn't. You know, yeah, no people are going to walk into a construction site and go, yeah, I, I don't feel like the hard hat today. I'm just not feeling the hard hat. You know, I don't like hard hats. They make my, they mess up my hair. I can't work with a hard hat on. I can't work with a hard hat on. I'm going to take it off. I'm not going to use it. Okay, boss? Sure. Okay, we don't care. That's never going to happen, right? But, but, you know, and you're not going to show up at a construction site, and the the construction managers will be like, "No hard hats today. We're just not using them." I don't believe in hard hats. I don't believe in safety. No hard hats. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it happens on a porn site almost daily. Yeah, but it, but you know, it it's interesting now because people are bringing prep into the discussion about how all performers should be on some type of anti-HIV medication-like PrEP. Uh, Truvada is another way people know it. Truvada? Is it Truvada? I think it's Truvada. 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 I'm mispronouncing it. Truvada. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if, if people in the industry... I know people on the gay side of the industry use it a lot. As they should. As they should. I don't... I, yeah, But you know what? I hate saying that, too, because... It's so easy to just take a pill, and then 20 years later, you don't know what this is going to do to your liver. You don't know what's going to do to your kidneys. You don't know what it's going to do to anything. Well, and who knows if it'll work like you know, an antibiotic where you take it so long and the virus mutates. Well, yeah, that could happen. That could definitely—I mean, viruses mutate. That's going to happen. But then, you know, I, I don't know. Super the, AIDS. Super, well, yeah, they actually they, they call it super infection. Most people don't realize that you can actually get, you can get HIV twice. <laughs> I did not know that. Yes. Yeah, Please this is elaborate. <laughs> yeah, no, no. What what people don't understand is there's different strains. I think most people realize there's different strains of HIV. Definitely. And so, just because you have one strain doesn't mean you can't get another strain. So you can actually get two different strains of HIV, and it's called a super infection or a co-infection. So yeah, even if you have HIV and you're sleeping with somebody who has HIV, if they have a different strain than you, you could potentially catch it. It's rare, but it could happen. Yeah, that would suck. I don't know. Well, yeah, it does suck because it actually makes it more difficult to treat and it makes you, you know, your... The antro, the antiretroviral drugs are are nowhere near as effective in combating two strains as they are one. Yeah. Well, and just the idea of being on a chemical cocktail for the rest of your life doesn't sound like much fun either way. No, it's not. No, it's not. But and that's another reason why I, you know, really respect the 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 performers because. You know, it, it's a clean industry. I'm not going to make it sound like it's not, but still, every day you go to work. And there's a chance of that happening. And so, you know, 
that's another thing you got to consider when you're performing is that you got to try to stay as healthy as possible and keep your body healthy and not be sick. Well, because your body is your currency. Well, yeah, I mean, that's true for athletes. That's true for any type of performer, really. But, I mean, you know, if if some NFL quarterback has chlamydia, they're still going out to throw the football on a Sunday. Yeah, they're just taking a lot of pee breaks. (laughs) Yeah, they're just taking a lot of pee breaks. But if you if you get it on set, you're you're not going to earn for a week. You're not going to earn for two weeks. Yeah, which really affects your ability to pay your bills. That's unfortunately the nature of the beast, and unfortunately, it's something that someone else's negligence, you know, no faults of your own. Yeah. And now, in a workers' comp case like that, that wouldn't be workers' comp, though. What getting chlamydia on set? No. Why not? Is because you catch a flu in your office job. Nobody files a work comp case for a flu. Now, well, granted, could they? That, if it was serious enough, sure. I mean, listen, if you go to work and you catch the flu from your cubicle mate or the person next to you, and all of a sudden you're on a respirator because your flu turned into influenza and now you've got huge... Yeah, I think you could probably try to make the claim that you caught the flu from that. I think they would probably deny your claim, but... You know, if you could prove it, then yeah, that would be workers' comp. What happens if you catch chlamydia and you become infer- infertile because well, of it? Well, that could be. Yeah, that could be. If there's serious permanent damage. But, and th- but that's, that's just workers' comp. You know, you fall down at work and, you know, you sprain your ankle. You know, you're not going to file a claim if you're back to work in a couple of days. Most people don't file workers' compensation claims unless they have some type of life-altering condition or problem. You'd think... Yeah, you think, but, you know, that that's what people are, oh, I'm not going to get workers' comp because, you know, then every performer is going to be filing claims against me. Like, no, it doesn't work that way. No. The workers' comp is there to protect you, the employer, from being sued for something really bad. Like, yeah. what, what? one of the cases that I had, a uh, guy broke his penis on set. Oof. Oof. Have you, have you, ever, have no. you ever heard of that? Oh, I mean, I've heard of it, but... Can you tell the story to the audience? Well, it's not really my story to tell, but I mean, you know, it's a it's a client. It's kind of protected, but I mean, I can give you the generalized. Yeah, the generalized. So I, yeah. we don't need names. No, no, no. I would never share names. But yeah, I mean, he there was a male performer. They were doing a scene, and he was in, or the girl was in reverse cowgirl, which I hope most of your listeners know what reverse cowgirl is. Um, if not, Google it. Yeah, and she and as she went up. She came down, and as she went up, his penis came out, and as she came down, it kind of went back in, but it didn't really go back in. It kind of went partially in, and then she came down, and it snapped. Oh. Oh. Yes. If there's ever a moment in your life where you don't want to have a really large penis, that would be why. <laughs> that would be why. And it, sna- it literally, he told me he watched it turn into like, you're from Chicago, right? Yeah. You know what kielbasa is? Yeah. You know how kielbasa is like yeah. round? It comes in a lot. Yeah. yeah. It turned into that. It kind of rounded itself out and then snapped. So if you really want to understand what this looks like, get a kielbasa, push it together until it snaps, and then pour ketchup all over it. <laughs> oh, he bled everywhere too? Oh, everywhere. I saw the pictures. It was blood, 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 blood. Like, I can't imagine. And, you know, the, the wonderful thing about it is went to the hospital, got treated, got the surgery, and he went back to work as a male performer. 
Well, good on him. Yeah, he lost maybe, he said, like a uh, a quarter of an inch, an eighth of an inch, uh, somewhere around there, because, you know, they have to, like, you know. Yeah, reattach so, it. Reattach it. Hey, so, for some people, that could be a world ending. Well, not yeah. Not a male performer. Not, not a male performer. But I, if that ever happened to me, I would not go back to work. I would be like, <laughs> you know what? I'm just not going to have this happen to me again. It's just not. I'm not going to put myself in this position of breaking my penis. And it happens a lot. It's, you know, I would say in my 13 years here, I've, I've handled one of the cases, but there's probably been four or five of them in the last 13 years. So it's more common than, than not. And it does happen. Well, because these are professional athletes of sex. Yeah. And injuries happen. Yes. But that that's such a bad injury. Ugh. I don't know. That's like, you may be too young, but you, remember when Lawrence Taylor sacked Joe Theismann? Before my time. Before your time? Yeah. He, they, his leg just snapped in half, and, and everybody on national television watching Monday Night Football saw it. And it was just one of those tight, like just snapping your penis in half. Your, your leg or your penis? You have to choose. One's going to be snapped in half. Which one do you choose? <sighs> That's a really rough choice. Is it really? I'm going leg all day long. Well, because I feel like the recovery for my penis would be faster. But yeah, that's true. It was. It was definitely faster for him to recover from that surgery than it was to recover from a snap leg. But still, snap leg or snap penis, you're going with the penis? Yeah. Ah, oh, you're brave, man. You're well, brave. Faster recovery. You're brave. The idea of walking with a limp for the rest of my life. Uh, like I feel like I can make a full recovery from that. That's all soft tissue. You could. The, your leg, depending on the nature of the break. You could. You could. I mean, I prefer to break neither one. Yeah, well, no, of course. But if... You I know. just said, when you were talking about the snap leg, I was having visions of Anderson Silva breaking his leg on that leg kick. Yeah. yeah, 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 like that. Exactly, exactly. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, like, ugh, ugh. yeah. So that, and you, you'll go with the penis one. I mean, if I have to choose, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going with the leg. I, I'll walk. <laughs> I'll have a. You know what? At least the limp I could tell the story about in mixed company. <laughs> I could tell the story about my penis in mixed company. Probably. I don't know. Maybe. I definitely could. It depends. On set, yeah. Not at the office though. Can't tell it at the office. But hey, guess what happened to me this weekend? You could definitely <laughs> tell it on this podcast. True. You could tell it on the podcast. Maybe you don't get a write-up in something about you know, me telling my broken penis story. Might get me some more listeners. It, it, maybe. I have a feeling that your AVN award is going to get you more listeners. We'll see if I win. If you show up on the carpet, I, that's not going to make you win because obviously they decided before. Right. But if you show up on the red carpet dressed as a rabbi, you're going to be all over the place. Especially, especially if you show up early, people will be taking pictures with you at the show, and they'll be tweeting those. They'll be Instagramming those. So yeah, yeah, that alone will get you a lot more followers. I guess I'm doing it. I guess I'm, I'm sold. I'm doing it. Though one of the publicists I work with was like, "You should just you know, spend half the weekend in character." I'm like, "No, I'm not drinking Manischewitz all weekend." <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's what she meant, but okay. That's how I took it. So, now, how much is the hat? So, if I want to do one with, like, the full fur, yeah, it's like a $300 hat. Oh, come on. That's worth it. That's worth it. To wear once? Who said you'd wear it once? 
I can't imagine I'd wear it more than... Dude, you could be doing cameos in a lot of movies as as Rabbi Mordecai. This could be a new career for you. Like, this could cross over to mainstream. Like, all of it, everybody in mainstream watches porn. You know that. I know. It's already on my IMDb page. Exactly. So people, you know, could be somebody at a show in, on, you know, TNT be like, we're going to get that guy as a rabbi on our show. He's a good rabbi. I mean, it'd still be pretty funny to, you know, because I walk the red carpet as a rabbi. I'll be on Showtime as a rabbi. <laughs> That's true. You'll be on Showtime. True. Very true. Well, now, do you, do you know Hebrew? No. Oh, you got to learn some Hebrew. I'm a really bad Jew. You got to learn. I, I thought this was mandatory. Don't you have to learn Hebrew to. Oh, I, I failed out of Hebrew school. Really? Yeah. You can fail out of Hebrew school? I sure as fuck did. Wow. But, but you have to, I mean, for your bar mitzvah, you have to know Hebrew. I didn't get bar mitzvah. Oh. I'm not a man. Oh. Well, you should learn some Hebrew. At least, you know, say hello. Thank you and goodbye. You know, it's like going to a well, foreign country. Shalom covers both things. Uh, you know, hello and goodbye. That's true. That's true. Uh, introduce yourself. You know, my name is Rabbi Mordecai. <laughs> no, I, and then you could break into English. Right, right. Because that would really throw off a lot of interviewers on their red carpet. If you started talking Hebrew, just a, just a sentence or two. You just have to say the same thing. Because nobody's paying attention. Like when you're on, you've been on the red carpet, right? Actually, no, because I ditched the award show every year. Do you really? Yeah, I've never gone to the award show. Ah, uh, so this will be your first award show? All right, yep. well. Make sure you come see me to make sure that, you know. So, yeah, I'm always walking around the red carpet. But, yeah. The, the red carpet's just media after media after media, and they're only paying attention to the person that they're interviewing. They're not paying attention to the next person. So you could use the same introduction all the way down to red carpet. <laughs> so all you have to do is learn a couple of lines in Hebrew, and you will hit every media outlet across the world for this. No joke. No joke, dude. Okay. I, I, I'm sold. I guess I'll, I'll do it. That would be perfect. <laughs> Do you, and and you know Brian? Yeah. Okay, Brian. You know many thing. Brian could hook you up with. He would love this. From one Jew to another Jew, he would love that, and he would hook you up. There's probably going to be a Jewish paper there. Yeah, could be. Yeah, Joanne has gotten written up. I forgot the name of it, but James has gotten written up. They they do a lot of write ups about different Jewish porn stars. I'm sure they're going to do a write up about. They have to do a write up about this. Or they could say it's very disrespectful. <laughs> No, if they're doing porn stars already, I don't think you have to worry about that. There's only one way to find out. I, I'm sure they'll cover you. Hey, I, I'm of the opinion that there's no such thing as bad press. No, no, they, they, you won't get bad press over this. Trust me, you won't get bad press over this. <laughs> We've had nuns on the red carpet before, so that's not going to be that big of a deal. Well, I guess we'll have to make it happen. Anybody in your family very religious? No. Not at all? Oh, so you're good then. Yeah, and even if they were, <laughs> I'm the black sheep of the family anyway, so. Uh, thank you for having me on the show. It's been oh, I, very fun. I've been trying to do this for over a year now. I, <laughs> I know, but I escaped out of Los Angeles to Las Vegas, so well, it's not so easy to get me. I tried to snag you at AVN last year, but our schedules didn't yeah. sync up. Yeah, I, you know, AVN's just, it's a, it's, it's an, I don't want to say it's a nightmare, it's just constant. You know, when I used to have a booth, when I first got into the industry, I had a booth, I would go, and I'd be an exhibitor. And now for the past six or seven years, as AVN's attorney, I'm working. So, it, and it's not like you stop working. 
Like here, here, like here's a last year at the, was it last year or the year before at the show? I'm sitting at the circle bar in the middle, and there's a passed out drunk girl. I think she's a porn star, but I'm not sure because honestly, I could trip over most porn stars and wouldn't know who they are. Um, and there's a guy sitting next to her on the couch. And I'm watching, and he's sliding his hand up her leg and sliding it up, and she's not really responding. And as he's getting closer and closer, I said, I I looked over, I go, excuse me. He's like, what? I go, do you even know her? He's like, what business of it is yours? And I, like, held up my badge, and I go, everything here is my business. I'm like, do you know her? And he just kind of, like, gave me the brush off. So I couldn't, so finally I found security, and they came over, and, they brought in an ambulance and they, you know, got her because she was so passed out. She didn't even like they were trying to wake her up and she wouldn't wake up. And I think they got him. I mean, I, they probably would have just thrown him out. Like he didn't really kind of, at least while I was sitting there, he didn't. He was just trying to rub her leg, just going a little too high. And so, yeah, I mean, avian is work. It's not. I can't, I don't get to drink and party and have a good time. And, and I'm always trying to like whether. Whatever time I get there, whatever time I get out of the room onto the show floor until the time I go back up to the room or leave the hotel, it's constantly work. No, I feel you there. I did nine podcasts from there last year. Dead. Then you know what constant work is. That's a lot of work. Thankfully, my work involves a lot of drinking. Yes. (laughs) Oh, I'm going to do exactly what I did last year. I'm going to, because last year was a nightmare for us. Because the media room is not nearly as big as it used to be. No. So initially, set up in the lobby in the back of one of the towers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like on a couch, just you know, doing shows there. Yeah. Security kicked us out. Really? Yeah. Why? Oh, you guys can't record here. I'm like, why can't we? We're just sitting on the couch. We're not doing video. It's an audio format. What the hell? Really? They kicked me out. They called Gross, and Gross is like, yeah, you got to do media in the media room. Oh, really? Yeah, so... I went up to the media suite. I took over the bar. I put my alcohol on the bar, and I didn't leave. <laughs> like you asked for me, you got me. Yeah. Well, he doesn't care. That's fine. And that's what they do. That's exactly what's going to happen. Why did you just do it in the room? Um, the room that we were using last year, there were people were smoking in. Oh, uh, okay. Some of the girls were upset by smoking. Also, we were interviewing some girls that like didn't necessarily know us, and were kind of just like, "Come to my room." <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, well, I'll tell the story. So. I make arrangements with a girl's publicist to do the interview. This is right after we get kicked out of the tower, so we move back up to the room first. Mm-hmm. We're chilling in the room. I, because I'm holding down the fort with the gear and all that stuff. I send a friend to like, hey, can you go grab this girl? He, I don't know what he was thinking, but did not really explain to her what he, he was getting her for. He's like, hey, come with me. <laughs> come with me. We have alcohol in a room. You must come now. Yeah. What? So she, of course, didn't agree to go with this random dude. Sure. So I call her publicist. Her publicist gets her up there, and she's just like, "No, no, I, I don't, I don't feel comfortable. I'm not, I'm, no." Like, okay, cool. And that's why I'm just avoiding doing it in the room this year. Yeah, that's a good idea. It's just gonna be in the media room. That's a good I, idea. And this way, I can also kidnap people when they go to do other people's media. Yeah, that's true. But like, hey, I got a bottle. Come here. Yeah. <laughs> Little girl, I have candy. Let me see some ID because I'm not going to jail if you're under 21. <laughs> that was in the uh, they they went to the pool table rooms, didn't they? Yep. Yeah, a couple of years ago I was there. We were talking about dog fart, 
and I, I represent the, uh, I don't represent dog fart. I represent the director who shoots all the dog fart stuff. So I'm on the show floor and he's like, dude, I, I need to talk to you for a minute. I'm like, okay. So I'm like, where are you? He's like, oh, I'm up in the, the dog fart suite. Come on up. So I go on up right in the middle of a 12 guy interracial gangbang. I'm like, this couldn't have waited till later. <laughs> like, do I really need to be here for the gangbang? So I got to watch a 12 guy. It was like, at least they had the windows open, so it wasn't so bad. But it was like another one of those bukkake types of situations before. Well, listen and ask you when you walked in the door. Hey, Michael, you got a current test? I wouldn't know. I, it was, I was not a black guy. <laughs> You know dog farts content. It's all black guys, and it's blacksonblondes.com, blacksonblondes. I'm not getting paid to say this, but blacksonblondes.com. And, yeah, they do uh, they do a lot of gangbang scenes with all huge black guys. I, Who keep their socks on for some reason. Or work boots. <laughs> socks, work boots, or hats. <laughs> or all of the above. I don't know. I guess I guess for some guys it's like a signature. Like if I wear my hat during if I wear my baseball cap during the scene, people will know who I am. And the other guys like if I wear my work boots during the scene, people will know who I am. It's very interesting. The work boots just doesn't seem practical because you gotta get your pants off over them and Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then he puts them back on. He puts <laughs> them back on. He's and there's not just one black guy that does that. I think there's two or three. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy, but that's but that's but but would white male, performers step your game up? You guys need to step your game up. You're being shown up. I you know in this industry, I I I definitely think the the black male performers are at a higher level than the white male performers. You know, there may be one or two white male performers that are, but if you're a black guy, you know, and you're a black male performer, you are definitely at the top of the food chain in porn you know you're not at the bottom that's for sure it's always sad you know black women are always at the bottom of the food chain in porn they're always like you know when it comes to female performers i guess it's white girls and then it's maybe asian girls and then it's latin girls and then the black girls and they've really had a a hard time in the industry with that they just they don't get paid the same they don't get you know box covers they don't get into good movies it's very, very sad. It's, it's super fucked up. It is. It really is fucked up that there is still so much. I don't want to call it racism because it's not racism because it's not like, hey, I don't like black people. I'm not going to put them in my movie. It's, hey, I'm going to do what sells. And so it's really the consumer that drives this kind of stuff. But how much of it is lack of marketing? It is. It's tremendous amounts of lack of marketing. Yeah, my my wife used to shoot a line. She's one of two black female directors that have won AVN awards. And when she was shooting, she would only shoot high budget movies with beautiful makeup, beautiful locations, beautiful box covers when it was still DVDs. And yeah, that would sell. You know, it's it's how everything's presented, you know. I mean, if you're putting people in shitty content, yeah, they're not going to get the same notoriety. They're not going to get the same accolades. They're not going to win AVN awards. They're not going to hire their rate. So, yeah, it's, it really does go into the marketing, it, but also goes into the production value. Definitely. Definitely. But, unfortunately, we're getting to about that time where we got to wrap. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Michael, where can the audience find you on social media? Oh, Pornlaw, at Pornlaw on Twitter. That's about it. That's, I'm really... I'm on Facebook, but that's 
that's more for you know non-porn stuff. But for porn, if you're interested in porn stuff, just at Porn Law on Twitter, and you can follow me. And sometimes I tweet, sometimes I won't tweet for a long time, and then I'll tweet a couple of stories about porn and law. And you know, I'm not that exciting on Twitter. <laughs> and are you taking on any new clients these days, or? You know, I, if it's interesting, you know, I do. I have a stable full of clients that I've had for five or ten years. They're very loyal. I, I handle their work month in and month out. Pays the bills. And, you know, if somebody comes to me, like, you know, trademarks. Like, I always tell girls in the industry, they should really trademark their names. Definitely. You know, um, so I'll do that or if somebody has a contract. But I'm not, you know, it's I'm very choosy on who I work with just simply because most people I, I i don't lie i just tell you the truth like if you have a shitty case or you have a shitty or if you're wrong i tell you my my wife calls me dream killer because i'm i don't lie to people i know i tried to get a prenup from her <laughs> you're just like what are you doing yeah exactly so i don't you know i'm not one of those lawyers that just does what he's told takes the money and gives you what you want i always like you do like when we were talking before you try to talk women out of doing certain things because here's the reality of it. And that's what I am. Like when somebody comes to me like, I have an idea. I'm like, it's already been done three times over and it's failed. Don't waste your money. And my wife's always like, just help them. Just take their money. They, they, you don't have to tell them it's going to fail. Your percentage. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, you know what? I don't want to be that guy. You know, if I know you're not, if I know this business has already been tried and failed and there's nothing new that you're bringing, my job is to tell you, you should try something different because this is not going to work. So, Definitely. For the audience at home, if you don't know by this point, you can always find me at Matt underscore Slayer on Twitter, Matt Slayer on Instagram, Matt F and Slayer on Facebook, Matt Slayer on Snapchat. You can find the podcast at And Now We Drink on Twitter and at Now We Drink underscore on Instagram. Michael, thank you. Yeah, you should trademark those names, by the way. <laughs> we'll talk off air. Once you win the AVN, you got to trademark those names. Oh, especially because I'm actually the reason we're at and now you drink underscore is there is someone who's actually sitting on the Facebook and Instagram without the. See, see, always some jerk off that has to steal the name or the domain name or the Twitter or the social media. Always some jackass out there trying to be a smart guy. Well, actually, I think I'm the jerk. They existed first. They just don't use it. Oh, really? They were a cocktail brand that just never launched. Oh. And then I bought the domain and bought, got everything else. And they Well, if they're not using it, then they're not using it. Yeah, I offered to buy it off them, but they were asking for a little too much money. So Really? For something they're not using? Yeah, because they saw the opportunity. Oh, I hate people like that. <laughs> but on that note, i got to run to another show. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Bye. Bye.